Hello and welcome back to episode four of the Capital Edge podcast. It is AJ King here. Joining me once again is the director of Capital Edge, Jonathan Fordham. Jono, thanks for jumping on once again. No problem. Good to be here. Now, today we're going to deep dive into when people say location, 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 and what that means. Because there's a number of things that we're going to digress on. It's a, you know the property cycle, infrastructure, uh, what the government are spending, uh, the the migration, which we've seen a lot of articles about in the last uh, few years, especially with the, the COVID pandemic. So we'll take a deep dive into that and then uh, we'll discuss a couple of states uh, in in depth where we've visited and where, where we've been putting uh, our clients into over the last few years. So let's uh, jump into it. First of all, what does Capital Edge look for in a location? I think um, we look at sort of the micro uh, region of the area. So, you know, looking really specifically at a suburb, there we sort of drill down to your more uh, specific elements, such as, you know, proximity of schools, um, more senior education, uh, things such as your restaurants and dining out, your entertainment, your proximity of freeways and transport, train lines, all of that sort of thing. Things that are going to make people want to live in the area, you know, your parks, your recreation, all that sort of thing is really important at the local level. So we want to be looking in areas where people can settle down and have that those facilities around them that are going to make them enjoy living there and want to live there and also inevitably push housing prices up. Now, why is it important that we look at those? I know you've touched on what we look for, but let's go a little bit deeper there. Why is it important? Because... People may say, well, every suburb has those things that you mentioned, but what are we actually looking for? So in there, we look at some sort of actual statistics as well and some raw data around vacancy rates. So we want to make sure that there's a low vacancy rate in the areas where we're looking. And, you know, at the moment, fortunately in most of Australia, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, the vacancy rates in most areas are very, are very low. So it's really hard to get rental properties, which is great for investors. We also want to make sure that in those suburbs, there's a reasonably low percentage of renters. We don't want an area where there's 50% renters um, in, you know, the suburbs I could list, but there's certain areas where there's been probably overinvestment and a lot of renters in the area, which as a rule, I've been a renter myself and, you know, I was a rent fester with investment properties and was renting because I lived in Perth, I lived in Queensland and now back in Melbourne. But um, as a rule, owner-occupiers look after their house a little bit better, you know, the landscaping, the gardening. Me as a renter, it doesn't mean renters, you know, don't look after the property, but, you know, they have the two-storey home, they have the swimming pool, they have the tennis court. Those owner-occupiers just make the suburb present better. So if we can get an investment property in an area like that, and it's back to the old adage, you know, we want to buy a nice home in a really good area. We don't want to have the best home in an average area. Because you're going to get your growth from the, I guess, the spend and the presentation of the suburb as a whole from those owner-occupiers. Now, we mentioned a few uh, things about what we look for. Why is it important that a suburb has a train station? Why, why is it important that a suburb has a school? Why is it important that uh, a suburb has particular shops? 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, people who are living in that suburb want certain facilities close to them. And speaking from experience, a lot of people actually live and rent in areas because specific schools, easy for me to say, catchment areas. So, you know, a really good public school can really encourage people into the area along with, you know, private schools. A, a really long commute, you know, in the old days, we really don't want our children commuting probably more than about you know, 15, 20 minutes for a good school, ideally five or 10 minutes so they can walk, they can ride, you know, they don't have to involve uh, too much, you know, transport from the parents. The other thing is with your um, things such as train stations, freeway access, you know, tram lines in some states, you know, people want to be able to commute in and out of sporting events to the city, all that sort of thing. So it's really good to have that element there and close to the front door as you can to get the uh, potential investors and owners wanting to buy into that area to make sure your house prices and what ultimately what we're after is capital growth. So if we get those ingredients right, the rest is going to look after itself. Now, a lot of people would probably laugh at what um, I may say next, but we, we always laugh when we, we do a bit of research and there's certain uh, shops or or chains that we, we look for in suburbs and it, it's a it's a KFC, it's a McDonald's, it's a Kmart, a Coles, a, a Woolworths, an Aldi. Uh, why is it important to be close to uh, chains like that? Well, one of the things is, and they often say, and add Bunnings to that list, they say, you know, Bunnings isn't just about selling hammers and nails, they're about real estate. And McDonald's the same, not just selling burgers, but they're about real estate. And they look at growth areas and they want to buy their stores in those areas where they actually are going to get the growth. So, in effect, these chains have already done the research for us. So, you know, when we look at some regional areas, I've got property in an area called Clunes, north of Ballarat, which virtually has nothing there. But we're looking at, at the moment, properties in areas such as Chinchilla in Queensland. And when you look at Chinchilla compared to a Clunes, they've got so much infrastructure already there. And the you know, the companies you were talking about with Coles, KFC, McDonald's. Now, if they're happy to go into areas and into our locations and they've done a lot of due diligence before they put stores into areas, we can rest assured that we're getting into the right area. So those sort of things are really important to look for those sort of, you know, identifiers or, or KPIs, I guess, for want of a better word, to show you where to invest. And it's not just the actual stores in general, but at maybe distribution centres uh, out in these regional areas that we have to look for because we talk about infrastructure and uh, I know that through through Queensland and out in regional Queensland, they're upgrading uh, the rail lines, you know, in and out so that uh, the supplies can be coming in a lot quicker. So they're sort of things that we look for as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all this sort of thing is what we spend a lot of time looking on. Um, you know, we also, whenever we talk to people about an area we're recommending that they buy in, we'll provide all the information about, you know, why is South Australia, for instance, growing at the moment and why is it a great place to invest? It's not just about rent return and affordability, but the big ticket item is that growth. So, you know, South Australia has probably been left behind a little bit over the last 20 years, but they've got some fantastic initiatives, government spending, growth plan for that region which we can piggyback on the bank of, back of with our clients and you you mentioned government spending just then let's let's talk a little bit about what we look for in the government spending i, I guess it's uh it's infrastructure upgrades 
It's almost um, what they're bringing into the state. We've seen that Australia, you know, we need skilled workers at this current point, and especially WA, which we'll touch on a bit later. But we want to know what the government is going to be spending their money on. Uh, I know we've done a lot of stuff in uh, Queensland over the the last four to five years, and we look at stuff like highway upgrades, and especially out to these regional and remote areas. Yeah, and as you said, the the demographics ties into that because obviously if you're getting the population growth, the government's forced into spending money because they've got to increase or improve the facilities to cope with that population growth. And we've seen with the um, net migration, you know, WA and Queensland are definitely getting the lion's share at the moment of that migration into Australia. Um, Interestingly, I've only just found out recently, you know, where the population growth is coming from in Australia. Obviously, our natural population growth isn't huge. I think it's probably about 1% or half to 1%, but a lot of our population growth comes from migration. So I knew that the UK and New Zealand has a lot of population growth, but also a lot of our uh, population is now coming from India and China. Yeah, and we mentioned it, I think, on the the last podcast that with the China uh, situation and their schooling, that they're not allowing uh, courses to be done uh, over the internet so we're seeing a lot of Chinese students return to uh, Australia to complete their studies. Yeah exactly and that's really bolstering the population growth and with population growth people need housing and when they need housing obviously there's going to be higher demand than there is supply which we talked about in the last episode so that's really helping in some of those areas and as we'll discuss in a little bit of detail later um, in this show you know Queensland specifically and WA Um, And also you may be influenced by a major event, which I think, you know, it's no surprise to know that Queensland, we're still very hot on Queensland, although it's had fantastic growth for the last couple of years. In the big picture, before that, they had probably seven to eight years of very little growth in the property prices. So although we've had a good two years, we think there's still a great deal of improvement and growth to get into that sector along with your property cycles. But we have, what's that thing that's coming up soon there? That would be the 2032 (laughs) Olympic Games. Yep, that's it, exactly. And also the Paralympic Games. And people sometimes have the misconception that, oh, yeah, we're going to have this big event over the course of, I'm not sure exactly how long it runs for now, you know, three or four weeks, and then everything's going to be done and dusted. But it's all the expenditure you get up leading to those games. And they're not just in Brisbane as well. They're in outlying regions in Brisbane. They're in regional areas. They've got events all over the place from, you know, your sailing to your beach volleyball to your rafting to your all your different events are going to be held all the equestrian they often have them all over the state it's not as if everything's just around brisbane central and we speak about the infrastructure upgrades but that also brings job growth absolutely well it's going we're going to see the next decade of massive investment in infrastructure there so with that infrastructure is going to become you know incredible job growth which is also going to, again, lead to people needing housing. So it's a really good time to be getting involved in southeast Queensland and getting, you know, property at today's prices because all as I can see is over the next 10 years some terrific growth. Um, and, you know, they're due to have their cycle. The affordability there is still really good. The rent return there, if you're getting in the right areas, is still really good. So I think, you know, they're looking at something like 91,000 jobs over the next 20 years, um, and I think about... billion of direct economic benefits to the Queensland economy with those jobs and with all the infrastructure being put in. And you've got to to remember that we're going to have increased international tourism through the Games. 
as well. So that that's going to bring a benefit of around about four point six billion uh, and eight point five billion nationally. So these are, are huge things. We look at what the two thousand uh, Sydney Olympic Games did for New South Wales in general, and they're still reaping the rewards, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. So it's not just up to the event itself. You know, there's continued benefits from improved sporting facilities. You know, you'll get all sorts of teams and tournaments coming to Queensland because of their improved facilities. You know, even, you know, topical at the moment in the AFL is getting, you know, a stadium in Tassie before they can have a team. So you need that infrastructure. Then the rest follows and continued expenditure, continued, you know, uh, people coming to holiday, stay and play in southeast Queensland or, you know, in the wider Queensland area. Absolutely. And and we mentioned that we're, you know, around well, just under ten years away from the games and the government have already started improving these infrastructure uh, projects. Yeah, well you improve community facilities, amenities, you know, your roads, um, and they're more often than not are gonna show significant uh, gains for surrounding properties and their individual capital growth and especially as we've said that rental demand. Interestingly as well I think there's something like 1.7 million um, permanent I'm sorry uh, what are they called visas? Yeah temporary uh, visas. Temporary visas thank you for that um, in any one year so that's a mass of people coming into Australia to as we said work study and some of them obviously turn into permanent visas then they need, you know, permanent accommodation places to live. And we've got to think that um, before the Games, obviously the population growth into Queensland as well uh, because, you know, people want to be there for the lead-up. You know, they might do some extra training. Uh, you know, athletes from around Australia may may move to to Queensland, you know, so they can familiarise themselves with um, all the stuff that is going to happen in the Olympic Games. Yep, acclimatise themselves, get used to the humidity, um, there's going to be terrific population growth in the whole area and the whole region. So, as again, once again, this is just going to continue to increase the demand for housing. And, you know, combine, combine this, as we spoke about in the last episode, the current lag of supply with development uh, DAs and with uh, land being available in Australia, it's just going to put more pressure on land and house prices. And obviously over the last couple of years, you know, Queensland, for better words or easier words, it's gone nuts. Um, we've seen that terms and conditions with people buying uh, were really hot uh, throughout those two two years. But I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, prices have dropped because where we're looking, they haven't. But the terms and, and the way that we purchase properties uh, has certainly eased. Yeah, I think we're almost in a perfect storm. We've got this little lull at the moment where there's a little bit of lack of consumer confidence. We've got also the interest rates at a little bit, you know, at a higher level than normal. So we've got this perfect storm where people are a little bit hesitant. You can get good terms, you can buy good property with great rent return, and that next boom is coming. Like, it's just sort of stalled a little bit at the moment. So I think I see the next six to 12 months a terrific time to get into that southeast Queensland market and reap the rewards of the next, you know, 10 years of incredible investment and infrastructure and population growth in that area. Now, I want to throw it right back uh, to when you started Capital Edge and you've been very bullish on uh, Queensland over the last five years or so. Now, let's get your thoughts on why that is and go a bit deeper because you mentioned something 
uh, a bit early as to why, but let's go in depth. Look, the, the main thing that I loved about South East Queensland had been that property cycle and the affordability. Um, so like the bang for your buck. So as we know, property cycles, you buy something today for $500,000. In 10 years' time, it's worth a million, 10 or 12 years' time. It doesn't go up at a nice 7% every year. You'll have three or four years with not much growth. Then it'll really boom for a couple of years. As I saw when I moved to Perth in 2006 to 2009, housing prices went up about 50, 60% in three years. But that was on the back of 10 years of virtually no growth. So you look at the big picture and you know that every 10 or 12 years property prices double in Australia or have over the last 120 years. So I was very bullish about South East Queensland because it had been flat for so long, but that tied into the bang for your buck or the value for money. So investors in Melbourne, Sydney, who are starting to get used to not being able to get much for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, could go to Queensland for five hundred thousand and buy in a fantastic area, you know, places we identified like Mango Hill, Mount Cotton, Redland Bay, Birkdale. We were getting places for five hundred thousand and getting four hundred and eighty to five hundred a week rent. And, you know, not saying that I'm an absolute genius, but it just had to the, the factors were all there to lead to these increases we've seen in the last three or four years. And, you know, most of our clients we've put into southeast Queensland have had that $500,000 property they bought three or four years ago being valued now at $800,000 and their rent's gone from four hundred and eighty dollars a week to six hundred and fifty dollars a week. So, you know, it's really good. There's still some great buying and there's some great opportunities regionally. Also, you know, in, in suburbs of southeast Queensland that we're pushing clients into or directing into. But yeah, that that cycle was really important. Now, let's go to a few of those suburbs that we've put some clients into and, and that would be uh, suburbs like Greenbank, um, Springfield Lakes, uh, you know, Ripley. We've just seen with the AFLW uh, host the, the AFLW Grand Final uh, at the new Brisbane Lions training facility at Springwood. So what would that bring to the community and why would that uh, drive prices up in the area? Well, when you get the, that uh, spend on those local training facilities and infrastructure, as we've already discussed today, there's going to be you know jobs created. That's important. People in the local area. You've got the tourism in southeast Queensland. So all of that sort of thing brings people back or into the area, and we often piggyback on that. You mentioned a couple of suburbs there, like Greenbank and Ripley. Now they're growing suburbs, so they're sort of new suburbs, but they're right near suburbs that we've already seen fantastic growth in, like Springfield Lakes, which is a master plan community. You've got Brisbane's number one golf course in that area, where we've also put a few clients into that area who've had a bit of a higher borrowing capacity. But yeah, we, we look for that sort of thing. And often, if we can find a suburb where there's a really good, you know, a high median house price and a few suburbs around it are a little bit lower at the moment, that's where we want to get into, where we're getting in, where it's affordable, but we know that you know growth is going to push out. The good thing about those suburbs that they're close to Ipswich, but also, like you mentioned, Springfield Lakes, which has you know the university, uh, hospital, you've got uh, you know TAFEs and, and things like that. Plenty of schools, plenty of uh, sporting facilities. So that's certainly something that we really uh, look at. And obviously, you know, rent return and and what you know the median house price is something that obviously we we want to look at, but it's not all that we we uh, drive our thoughts on for Capital Edge. Now, 
We mentioned as well WA. So they're a little bit behind uh, Queensland in their property cycle. But the government has just announced that they are going to try and you know bring in 31,000... Um, well, they've got 31,000 job vacancies across the state and they want to try and bring in uh, the skilled laboured uh, people from, you know, the UK and and other uh, places like that. Yeah, so that shows that the, the government are really bullish on what they're doing in their, in their state. They even had, and I think it was a, probably about five or six months ago now, it was around the time when we went over there last, a front page on the Herald Sun attracting employees or, or, or workers into you know WA so they're really pushing that and again it ties also back into that weather <laughs> you know people love living in WA and in Queensland because of the weather um, you know beautiful climate opportunities galore over there there's virtually you know if you want a job in WA you're going to get one and there's also that undersupply of housing so we've seen WA prices really starting to push in the last 12 months even clients that we've you know, been putting in there, uh, they've probably had growth quicker than our clients did originally in southeast Queensland. They're sort of getting that, you know, 50, 60k uplift in the first year. But again, WA cycle-wise was flat for the previous seven or eight years, was very little growth. So we're really going to be able to ride that cycle in WA, I think, over the next five or six years. So it's a really good time to be getting there. And again, back to that bang for your buck. For $550,000, you know, you look around a lot of the areas that a lot of people live now and they're thinking, I'm getting a one-bedroom or two-bedroom apartment. Over there, we're getting a four-bedroom, two-bathroom, double lock-up garage, you know, 185-square home, near the water, near infrastructure, not too far from the city, near the Swan Valley. Depending on what you're looking for, you know, we can find something. And as you just said, you've got, I think, even some more information there for us, AJ, about WA and what's going to be going on there over the next few years. Yeah, well, they've obviously uh, done a a lot of uh, you know, railway upgrades and, and line extensions. So we've seen both up in the, the north and down in the south that they've extended the train line. So they're seeing that the inner city living is probably pushing out and that's probably a factor of housing prices as well and also the population growth. So they've noted that people uh, are wanting to or ha- are having to live uh, a fair bit you know, away from the CBD, it might be a 50-minute train ride into into Perth uh, from from a Mandra or, you know, up in Eglinton. We've seen the railway extend up to Yanchip. Um, so we talk about infrastructure. That's an infrastructure project that the government has obviously seen that is going to be beneficial for them moving forward. But WA is in the middle of a housing crisis. Yeah, absolutely, so, as you just said. You know... The reason why they need these skilled labourers to come out is because they are in serious trouble with delays in current construction, but also they just do not have enough housing for the people migrating to WA. So the the government are spending to rectify that um, and the reasons that why we're looking at this is because the government have been proactive in this. Yeah, and we're going to see that that spend come through, but also, you know, people are going to have to buy housing 
the lack of supply, you know, it's simple economics. It was like back in uh, when they had the uh, storms up in Queensland and all the bananas were wiped out. I don't know if you remember that. We were paying $10, $12 a kilo for bananas because there was no supply, still high demand. That's what we're seeing with property now. Um, you know, we've got the demand still there, not enough supply, housing prices going up. So that's pretty simple economics, supply versus demand. If we get all those other ingredients that we've got right that we've been discussing over the last 20 or so minutes, um, we really see some opportunity for investors right now. While we've got good terms, we can negotiate a little bit, we can get in the good areas because you know I've never seen anyone who's waited for a bargain in real estate, apart from as we've discussed before, if you're buying a three or $4 million property, but in the middle of the market, people who wait for a bargain just end up paying more a year or two years later and think, why the hell didn't I buy you know, two years ago? Absolutely. Now let's have a little chat about the capital city rents. And you know, in December 21, you know, Perth's uh, median rental was $460, uh, $460 a week. Rent in September 22, it went up to 500 But in December 22, it's gone up to $530 a week. So we are continuing to see uh, rentals... Rental prices going up, uh, and but it, the yields in WA is what is very attractive along with the housing prices. Absolutely. And I know today we're talking about location, 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 and it's probably a topic we'll get onto later, but there's also ways of improving your rental yield. So people who might have a you know, high income, they don't mind if it costs them $100, $150 a week to hold an investment property. There might be people listening now that think, I can't afford $150 a week, but there's ways we can work around that. And we can look at things like, uh, you know, as we said, regional areas where the rent returns better. We can look at dual occupancy properties where we've got two properties in one, which can increase that rental yield. There's a lot of things we can look at doing to improve that. We can look at, as we've touched on before, uh, working with your accountant. So you get your actual tax return throughout the year instead of at the end to make it more affordable. So yeah, there's all that sort of thing we can look at with that rental return, but also the areas that we're targeting, the rental return is going up organically anyway over the last you know few years, again, because of that supply and demand. Absolutely. And, and WA, well, Perth, uh, the vacancy rate is just 0.6%, and this is you know at the lowest level since 1980. So uh, we, we look at it, you know, uh, the peak, you know, up at, you know, 12 in the last couple of years, but it's now down to, you know, 0.6. And you have to look at it. They think that a balanced rental market would have been 2.5 to 3.5%, but we're at 0.6%. Yep. And when you think of it logically, you know, if at 25 3%, that only means three out of every 100 investment properties are empty. At 0.6%, like one in every 200 and that's probably only empty because the owner's doing some maintenance on it or it's you know not suitable for tenants at the moment. So it's basically a zero vacancy rate. So when anything becomes available, or if you're an investor and you get into a good area and you're clever and smart about it, you know you're going to have to have basically rent coming in 52 weeks a year. Um, you know, in the past, we used to look at when we do our budgets for our clients, you know, factoring in a four or six week vacancy period every year between tenants, all that sort of thing. At the moment, you're not even having to you know, factor in probably one or two weeks between a tenant leaving and another tenant moving in, which is even better for your cash flow. Absolutely. Now, that is why we look in areas that we do. We obviously uh, cover most of Australia, but they're the two states that are 
standing out at the moment, along with South Australia, in which we will discuss at a later point. Uh, but we'll be back again next week to bring you some more information about Capital Edge. And if you want to contact us and have a chat about any of our hotspots and where we're targeting at the moment, we love talking to people um, and, you know, helping them plan for their future.